This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah. Streaming Zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of This Uncanny Gaming. As you know, on This Uncanny Gaming, we delve into the video game world and we explore all the facets and wonderful things in it. Today, we have a very special guest, a gentleman that's created or helped create a podcast um, based around the Fallout 76 universe. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Vigu. Hello, hello. And so, because you're here, and we do this with every guest... I'm going to give yeah. you the 15 second applause. <laughs> yeah, we, we do that every show with every guest. We give them the 15 second applause just to kind of, you know, uh, break the ice, so to speak. <laughs> you'll, I, you'll be able to hear it after the fact. But um, so let's get started here. What uh, what got you, or, or what uh, kind of started your love for the Fallout series? Ooh, uh, I can't remember who got it for me or when, if it was a Christmas present or not. I think it was a Christmas present, but, uh, I started with Fallout 3 when that first came out. Um, unfortunately I never got a chance to play Fallout 1 and 2, and I think going back to that older style of gaming now would just kill me inside. <laughs> it's sometimes, <laughs> it's sometimes harder to go back in time to some of those old games, unless right. you have have a deep personal connection like even mist now i can go back and, and play the old school version where it's just kind of point and click uh just for the memory's sake but no i started with fallout 3 and uh the whole retro futuristic look of it uh the post-apocalyptic storyline and the deep lore uh just really drew me in and i'd never played anything uh open world before quite like Fallout 3. So that first magic moment when you step out of the vault and uh, the world opens up below you uh, and you can just kind of go in every, any direction you wanted to. It's just kind of a, a cool moment. So that kind of started my love of Fallout. From, I moved from that into New Vegas, which I absolutely loved, uh, and then into Fallout 4 and now into 76. I was kind of on the fence uh, because I'd never played an online game before and where there were PVP elements that isn't something that's ever appealed to me, but I thought I would give it a go and I'm so glad that I did. Now, I was also on the fence about 76 yeah. and <clears throat> I think my, mine was more because I had played so many hours of Destiny and tried to get really get into Destiny 2 and then kind of felt I got burned on it. Um, and so when I did, when I played 76, I was just like, uh, I played the beta 
and I was still kind of, uh, because of the griefing process. And then about a month ago, I actually bought the tricentennial edition for like 20 bucks yep. from, from Walmart. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to give it a go again, see if I like it. And I can't stop playing it. I keep picking it up, keep playing it. Uh, my love for Fallout actually is, is basically around the same as yours. I started with Fallout 3 as well. 1 and 2, I tried to go back to it and actually sit down and play it. I got uh, probably about half halfway through, maybe a little before, where I just I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. The isometric kind of turn-based, because I grew up playing uh, Japanese RPG, so it was, I, I kind of was able to get into it, but then after playing three, I'm like, nah, because this is, you know, this it's 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 an interesting story, and I've read the stories between all the fallouts, um, and then Fallout 3 was just, it was mind-blowing. It was like somebody took a book that I had read and just put it in a game, and it just fascinated me. Well, then the storyline, even of that one, was so compelling. Yes. Tracking down your dad and everything with the Enclave, and you had Liberty Prime, and it was just an epic story. And you could get lost not even following the main quest. I mean, you could literally just go out and go left or right or straight or back, anywhere you, anywhere you wanted to go. Oh, yeah. And I remember meeting my first Deathclaw, and I'm already like, well, let's let's have, let's have fight this out. It didn't last too long. I think I hit him once with a 10-millimeter pistol, and then my head was decapitated from my body. Deathclaws and super mutants back in Fallout 3, there was nothing tougher. No. I think they've got a little softer over time, but they were brutal in Fallout 3. And then 76 came out, and I absolutely loved 76. It brought uh, a couple new mechanics. I believe re uh, weapon repair was a big one. And just the, the the kind of mutated monsters, you know, you would have legendary death claws, which I think in that game, I think the death claws were harder because at least in Fallout Three, you could use the dart gun and kind of cripple their legs, and so they would have a tough time trying to get to you, so you could easily take them down. And yep. seventy six, or not seventy six, sorry, um, in New Vegas, whew, I mean, you go into the quarry, and there they are, and they are just. They're everywhere. I I would snipe them from a distance. That was about the I, the only way I could do with the antimatter rifle. I found Cazadors to be the most Ugh. terrifying thing in New Vegas. On top of the fact that they're ridiculously uh, bullet spongy, yes, you just can't kill the damn things. All they do have to do is just keep stabbing you and you're slowly <laughs> dying, trying to crawl away, and there's nowhere to hide. Like help. Yeah, the first time I ventured out. I decided to go off the beaten path, and I think I ended up near the Khans camp because that's where I, I, there is a ton of Cazadors is by the Khans. So oh, I ended yeah. up trying to go up this hill, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, look, it's an insect. Okay, a couple shots. Let's take it down. It's got wings. It can't yeah, be that yeah. tough. Shot it, came over, and just kept stinging me, and then I'm slowly losing health. So, so I tried to run away. I'm like, nope, not this time. Nope, not going to happen. And then <laughs> it got me, and by then, like, it's it, once you're dead, you see, like, some of the the panorama view and like its buddies had started coming and I was like there was no way, no there was no way. Uh, Fallout Four, I would have to say Death Claws of course, but fighting them in power armor was a different was was kind of a game changer I thought. Um, I liked the building, but at the same time it became tedious. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think. Uh... I liked the storyline of, of Fallout 4. Uh, I loved finally having a pre-war sequence that you could play, seeing everything in its pristine 
you know, 1950s turned 21st century glory was just awesome. Right. So that I think worked really well. Um, I, I hate settlement building. Uh, I mean, I, I ended up getting Sim Settlements, which if you haven't used that mod yet, it, it will change your life because you basically set it and forget it. The settlements will basically build themselves. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, you should definitely check that out because it it just allowed me to set the camps on autopilot uh, for them to do their own thing. I didn't enjoy that as much. And I think the other thing that uh, I wasn't as big a fan, when you got in Fallout 3, uh, you had to really work for it. And then in Fallout 4, you kind of get it immediately. Right. And then I found myself spending almost the entire game in it once I had it, which I think changed the gameplay experience a little bit and made it a little less of a challenge uh, than I enjoy, to the point that I had to, I finally swore off it and then swore off fast traveling and tried to really go back to the roots of, of the way that I liked playing. I think with me, what it was, because I thought I liked the power armor idea. Now, I'll yep. agree with you. You kind of get it too early, and you get it really easily. But what I did like was they had a whole area, the glowing sea, where you had to wear power armor to go into this place, and you fight these oh, yeah. mutated creatures and death claws and things. And then there's a whole underground base, like in a little shack, and then there's these people. The the I think they were the worshippers of Adam. And yeah, the children like, of Adam. Yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to take in the, the, the radiation. I thought that... Um, for the for the for the power armor was was really cool. What I didn't like is just it is it just handed to you right at the beginning. In three in New Vegas, somebody had to teach you how to wear power armor. Right. And it made it in three, once you got that power armor, you literally felt unstoppable. Right. In seventy six you just feel like you have a mech suit. It always reminded me of a mech suit, is really what or in I keep saying seventy six. In Fallout Four, it really reminded me of a mech suit. I think that was one of the things that they purposely wanted to change. Uh, I remember, I think, seeing a dev video, and they said they wanted it to feel like like you were climbing in something, like it was a mobilized tank, right. as opposed to, to the way it was before. You were just going to put it on. And and then you had to worry about your, uh, your, your cores, your fusion cores. And, I mean, by that time, you know, I had stacked up probably 99-plus of that and... My caps were pretty good, but you know, I mean, the the my main concern in that game was, like you said, the settlement building was. It's not my thing. I know people love doing that in games, and they will build these beautiful looking settlements, and I give them full credit. But I like Fallout because I like to just go out and explore. Yep. In '76, you know, I get to go to to West Virginia, basically. And I know that I pretty much know that state like the back of my hand. I have relatives that live there. I've been in different parts of it. So going to say the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, or going to Flatwoods, or going to any of those locations is just fantastic. I mean, obviously they didn't, they can't do a a one for one you know design of the of the whole map of West Virginia, but I think they hit the key concepts correctly. Yep. Yep. And that's what I like about 76. Now, it does have its... There's certain things I don't like. I'm not a real big fan of the whole kind of survival mechanic of, okay, you have to eat and you have to drink, 
and you got to keep doing that or else you know you'll get penalties and i understand it's it's every man and woman for themselves and you're just out there but to me the eating and drinking part is just it seems kind of tedious and yeah yeah i'm only at level 18 so i don't know if there's if if it gets easier down the line if there's perks it does get easier and yeah there are perks to kind of to change that i mean once you uh you can choose to be a cannibal in which case you can just <laughs> eat, eat everything in sight uh or you can also just be an herbivore uh which you can also focus on just eating plant life and not really getting irradiated but hmm. yeah i think they introduced a lot of that survival stuff back in new vegas i never even played that mode though i think it was just a survival mode is what they called it and they asked you before you uh you walked out the door if you wanted to enable that and i don't think i ever did oh yeah hardcore yeah I, there was no way yeah. because yeah. I, I feel like it takes you out of the at least to me it takes you kind of away from what fallout is and i see what they were going for it's you know i, I think it's a it's it's much like the griefing process if we would look at how the world would be if nuclear war did happen it would be every man and woman for themselves and you would have to scavenge to eat and you would have to fight off other folks trying to take your stuff and you would have to do this and that. So I understand that 100%. I just wish there was a way you could turn that part, just the part with the eating and drinking, off. Yeah. But then people would think it would be easy mode. And But as a person who's played many hours of Dark Souls, <laughs> there's not really any game out there that's really... <laughs> too bad it's just I, I it's more of it just takes you out of it because i'll eat all my salisbury steaks or my cram and then i'm like oh i don't have any more food then i'll go out in the woods and just start eating random fruits and berries now i have dysentery or now i have um not rad worms it's it's the one that uh your body uh the food it's the food disease i, I can't remember it off the top of my head is that i think that's rad worms is it i thought rad worms was the one that makes your bones your bones weak. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I've, I've gotten just, so many different know, diseases. Every time I got that one, I just end up going to the White Springs, drinking from the fountain, and curing myself. Oh, see now, whenever I try to go to White Springs, that's where the nuke is. Everybody seems to love to nuke White Springs. Not anymore. At least not. Uh, I don't think I've seen on any server anyone do that in the last month. I think because they really nerfed White Springs. Uh, in the early days, it used to be great for leveling because the glowing ones would just perpetually regenerate every time someone logged in. So all you'd have to do is have somebody in your team log out, come back in, and it would reset all the spawns. But I don't believe it. It does that anymore. Now, see, uh, when I, when I was on, they they it was nuked three times in that in that area. I don't know hmm. why. I almost was gonna go because I've been kind of going on at level eighteen. Almost anything can still kill me. So. I went off to Cranberry Bro Cranberry Bog today. At level eighteen? Yes, at level eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, you know what? I, I I'll pray for you. <laughs> I left all my junk in my stash spot. Uh, it's all <laughs> it's all there. Um but what I did was I was like, okay, let me see what this what this is about. And I made it to Watoga and I'm like, Oh, all the robots have taken over the place. And yep. I'm out running the field, you know, I went to the Translogating Lunatic Asylum, I'm just start running. All of a sudden, I hear this screeching sound from, from up in the sky, <laughs> and this thing just goes, and, and all of a sudden, I'm falling down. I look up, and there's this scorch beast, 
and he brought his friend. There's two scorch beasts up there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them down there. And I'm like, come on, man. I just want to look around. Can you guys not? And there's no way I can beat him. I tried to fight a level 50 sheep squatch the other day. I, I just saw it and I just started taking shots at it. Like, what do I got to lose? Everything. Killed me. Right there. Yeah, in that instance, you're better off tagging it and then stepping back so some of your higher level friends can kill it and at least you can get the XP. Right. Um, other than that, I tried to fight a Deathclaw today at level 20. He was level 20 Deathclaw and I was 18. Still yeah. didn't end well. Still didn't end well. It's because I don't really have a lot of armor to wear, so I pretty much just wear different outfits because armor degrades a little bit different in this game. Then in 76, I've noticed it degrades a little bit faster. I will have to say, playing this versus any other Fallout game, I've had to really change the way that I play the game. Mostly because in previous games, you could be a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, you could just set whatever for your perk cards and whatever for your stats. And for the most part, you know, you can use a laser rifle equally as well as you can a sniper rifle. This game changes all of that where especially when you get closer to level 50 the build that you pick really matters and it's the difference between really being good and surviving well versus having a a really difficult time without having a specific build that's one of the things i i learned and i'm learning that now because i'm so used to you know if i play dark souls like i stated earlier then i have a specific build i go for and i'm fine I can ride the whole game with that build. This one, I'm still trying to find what I want to do. You know, I'm I'm doing all the uh, intelligence perks so I can uh, hack terminals. Uh, I'm doing perception so I can pick locks. I'm doing strength so I can be stronger. And then a little bit in endurance. And I don't think I have anything in charisma, but I'm trying to figure out my build right now. And I'm at 18. Yeah, there's a, a really excellent... Uh, I'll send you a link to it. Um, I can't remember the, the link off the top of my head, but there's a couple of online websites where you can kind of plan your build. Oh. Um, I've never played Melee in the previous Fallout games. I usually go for something that's overpowered and explosive simply because mini nukes are just so fun to use. Yes. Um, but I changed uh, the second character that I created a few months ago that I'm playing through now. I'm playing Melee, and that is just a lot of fun because you can just kind of run in there, jump up and down with marsupial, and then just claw things to death. It's, it's kind of <laughs> fun. I haven't played that way before. It's just it's fun. Um, now, I, actually, I've played each game differently. Now, in the first... In Fallout 3, I played a, I played half of it as melee because once you got that super sledge, you were in good business. There wasn't too many things that could really take hits from a super sledge because the most important enemy in that game was super mutants. Death claws were kind of here and there, but the super mutants were like a force. You know, you had the super mutants and then they had the super mutant behemoths, and the super sledge got me through a good chunk of that game until I got the, he was a, uh, he was an android on the rivet city and you had to kind of reprogram him i think and he gave you his gun it was a plasma i believe that's harkness yeah yeah and he gave you a plasma rifle and that plasma rifle carried me throughout the rest of that game loved it yeah that was a great weapon 
in 76, because I had to adapt my play style, uh, the antimatter rifle got me through a large chunk of that. I didn't do too much melee in that one. It was a lot of revolvers and pistols. And then Fallout 4, I was whatever. I mean, I, I don't really even remember what I've used. I think I've used almost everything. And then for 76, and this, this is what I like about 76, you have to use whatever you can get. Oh, yeah, especially at lower levels. I have so many pipe pistols. <laughs> like, that was. I, I don't think, as you get higher up, I don't think I've seen any higher level players still using pipe rifles at all. <laughs> um, I think I've at got, that point, just people really want to switch over to the handmaids. Um, right. Because they're kind of easy and the, the ammo is ample as opposed to some other weapons. Right. Uh, I actually switched over to shotguns because I really. The shotgun in this game really packs a nice punch, especially when you're dealing with super mutants or you get into a crowd of uh, Scorch or you get into a crowd of the, the, the ghouls. Because I swear, every time I meet the ghouls, I get a disease. Every single time. Because there's always that okay. one level 22 ravager ghoul that has some form of disease, and I'm like, I'm going to get a disease. And then he hits me, and it's like, you've got, and I'm like, thanks. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, they used to pack a hell of a lot more of a punch than they do now. <laughs> because uh, it was, I think, January when I got a random drop of a two-shot explosive double-barrel shotgun. Nice. And I had my perk cards that really amplifies not only shotgun damage, but also explosive damage. So paired up with that, I was doing a ridiculous amount of damage per shot. The problem with it... I was only good at a distance. If anything got within like five feet of me, as soon as I pulled the trigger, I would immediately kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a supercut video that I'd shared on YouTube. That's just me blowing myself apart again and again and again. <laughs> but they, they nerfed uh, the two shot explosive shotguns. Uh, I think a couple months ago. I, yeah. I'm get, I'm getting into the game kind of late, you know, in there in the cycle, but I mean, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I did because I really was against it at first. Yeah. And I think it was just because it, it was, it was online and I had seen where other games had gone that were online only type games. The one other thing that this game really had is kind of, uh, a real issue not just with this fandom, but all fandoms in 2019, it's that everyone is so polarized. And it seems like uh, a lot of gaming reviewers are really focused on just video views. And so a lot of times the videos that are negative towards a new episode or a new series or a movie or a, a video game the ones that just are straight out bashing and negative always get considerably more views. And so I think it really slants a lot of that stuff in that direction. This game was just really, really pummeled from the moment it was announced kind of all the way through. A lot of the issues that it had with gameplay were well warranted, but uh, like even today there are still Fallout fans who said that this isn't canon. Which is kind of silly because, you know, it's Bethesda. They're saying it is. So right. It is. right. <laughs> I mean, but it really, uh, it 
polarize people. I, I think the people that haven't played it, that have a negative opinion of it, should just try it. Uh, like uh, the free trial week that they did was a genius stroke. Because I know I've seen a lot of busier servers. Uh, even our Discord group, we got a, an influx of a ton of new members, just people joining, looking for people to run with. I think if you play this game solo, which you can do, you are missing out on the real experience of this game, which is really to connect with people uh, and not take it too seriously. I mean, you know, each night or each weekend, you have some drinks, you hang out with people from all over the world, you go on adventures, you have a few laughs, you make it the experience as opposed to just doing something solitary. With even Wastelanders coming, you're you're going to miss the opportunity to really meet some great people and build some connections. And I think that was <clears throat> my problem at first. And I'm still like that. I haven't even ran with anybody in the game yet. Uh, because, I, I don't know, I think the Fallout aesthetic to me, I'm just like, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm so used to being the only one. You yep. know, and, and I have the world on my shoulders and I got to go out there and explore. But as I'm playing it, and I keep seeing people teamed up, and I'm like, man, I kind of I wouldn't mind running with some people, you know, see what, see what it's like, and and kind of fight some some other creatures besides the same scorched and the same ghouls and the same super mutants. It, it gets kind of tedious after a while, and I'm tired of having to go back to my base to fight off some mole rat that has literally climbed up the wall. They're they're literally hung on on, on the wall because I have it on an outcropping, so things shouldn't be climbing up it. But he's literally right. hanging on the wall, eating the wall, and I'm like, what? what? What are you doing? But then I realize it's a Bethesda game, and these kind of things happen. So you can't. <laughs> so then I take it a shotgun to it, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just works. So I'm looking to get into a, a good group, you know what I mean, of people, but it's like my schedule is so hectic, and I think that's one of the biggest problems. Are you on PC or? Uh, Xbox One. Yeah. My PC uh, wouldn't run Fallout 4. Our. Uh... Our Discord group is getting more Xbox people in. We're predominantly PC, but you right. should hang with us. We uh, honestly, the most fun I've I've had, the most memorable nights, are when we aren't really doing much of anything, and are just kind of hanging out a, at a camp or building a camp, uh, and then just talking and laughing, uh, playing instruments and wearing stupid costumes. <laughs> it uh, those nights are just super memorable. A few times we, uh, you, this game is a sandbox, so you can really do some interesting things with it. Right. Uh, like we've we've done a fight club, where people can come in, bet, people get into the ring, and there are even matches uh, with like commie whackers or uh, <laughs> canes. We did uh, skirts and rolling pins one night. Uh, <laughs> we've also done uh, like hide and go seek events did uh, a cross-faction mixer with Brothel76 where we went to their camp. Uh, everyone had a naughty underwear party. <laughs> and then uh, they brought in a Discord bot that was playing techno music. And then we, we all just started crouch dancing. It was just hilarious. So there's a lot of, of fun things you can do. There's just total random nonsense. And I've noticed that about 76, like going through it and, and trying different things just to see if they work. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I've noticed too, it has the Skyrim effect. You can still climb mountains just by hitting Y a whole bunch of times. I've done it a yeah. couple times. 
Um, yeah. But I think getting in a group with some people would be really enjoyable. And I think the problem is, like I said, I'm so used to three and New Vegas and four and it being like just you. But then I, I go online and watch people fight the, the Scorch Beast Queen or like all these really cool mutants in their power armor. And I'm like, man, I don't even have any power armor. I'm just some dude. <laughs> I can't even get any armor. <laughs> you have to remember that before you had NPCs, you had a, an AI-controlled companion or <clears throat> random people that you could stumble across. The difference with this game is there are NPCs. They're just real people who are NPCs in the game. So if you look at it that way, you can start to look at people a little differently. Nice. Um, I Like I said, I have enjoyed 76. And I was one of the people in the free week. I re-downloaded it. After having played the beta and, and it left kind of a bad taste on my mouth, I said, you know what? I'm going to try it again. I'll give it a chance. Because I, I don't want to... You know, I've I at first, after I played it, and experienced it i'm like this isn't worth 60 bucks it, it, you know and, and i was i was adamant about it you know i was a i was a fallout fan of the previous games and uh, i just i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna do it and then they announced all these things and i'm like okay there's they've updated it they've kind of taken better care of it let me download the free week i'll give it a shot and see if i like it well, lo and behold i've probably been playing it since the free week like i've just every night a little bit at a time and, and enjoying every minute of it. I, I haven't had a bad experience. I think the only thing that kind of gets on my nerves is the, sometimes I'll be doing something really awesome. I'll be off. I'll, I'll find a new place and then it'll disconnect me from the server. And I'm like, come on, man, I don't want to have to slug all the way back there, fight all those enemies again. But I mean, that's par for the course, I guess. And when you're dealing with yeah, an online game, that is a drag. Yeah. But I've enjoyed it. It's been a, it's been a good experience. I haven't had, uh, you know, everybody's been cool. Like I haven't really had and seen any griefing going on as much as I did when the beta came out. And I, I that's probably because it was a beta, and so people were just being jerks to be jerks. It happens. I think if the game dynamics hadn't changed, there would probably still be quite a lot of that. Now in adventure mode, if you have pacifist on, uh, you're pretty much invulnerable unless you take a workshop. People can't really just destroy your camp for the hell of it anymore. And uh, they've also separated people out. So people who really are looking for that kind of challenge, they can go into survival mode or now they can go into nuclear winter, which is a whole other whole other gameplay style. Have you played that yet? Now, see, the thing is, I played PUBG when it was, a th- when, when it was really thriving and I couldn't stand it only because I couldn't. The, the thing is, I, I come from the Modern Warfare 2 Halo 3 era, where it's nonstop action all the time. You don't build, you don't do anything, you just fight. And I'm so used to that. And that's how I honed a lot of my first-person shooter skills. But when I tried to play PUBG, I'm like, oh, I'm getting killed. Oh, great, I have to go back and wait. I'm not a big fan of waiting to jump back into a lobby. Now, I could be wrong on, on Nuclear Winter. I haven't really heard much about it. I haven't played it. So my experience comes from other battle royale style games and i did not have a good experience i hate battle royale games with a passion (laughs) i do not like them that at all but uh because they were introducing it into the fallout world i figured what the hell i love nuclear winter (laughs) (laughs) i I play it practically every night because it's just it's just fun uh the vault vault 51 
is beautiful to tour and i wish you could access that when you're not waiting in the lobby uh because the interior of it is just really awesome to check out and look around at but the nuclear winter gameplay style is just a lot of fun and it's it's fairly well paced with the fire closing in on you slowly but surely um if you do not try too hard to win or really try to take people out immediately you will almost always survive until the end um which is pretty much how i play and our team has won quite a few games just really trying to to stay away from people move with the fire uh and then just stay hidden until it's down to the last few people yeah because i uh i used to do that with um modern warfare too they there was a uh experience you could get for hiding if you hid like for so long and if you didn't kill anybody or they didn't kill you if you got a zero zero and um that was pretty fun actually you know i i found a spot and i just stuck there nobody came back there and it was it was pretty interesting but yeah. for battle royal games it's just oh I, I just i can't can't stand them now that being said i would give nuclear winner a chance it's not like i wouldn't give it a chance but uh just i, I kind of dread it do it with a group of people because you'll you'll have fun. If it's with people that you're you're running with, it just it it becomes another fun, just random adventure to bond over. I think that would make all the difference than if you're just going in there and being teamed up with random people. The other smart thing that they did is they tied it towards exclusive atom shop items and skins. So the more you play it, the more you unlock cool stuff like different containers or power armor skins that you can't buy and you can't get any other way other than to progress through nuclear winter now you said it's it's a team based so do you end up finding your teammates at the end is that how that works no no that's the last team standing oh see i'm so used to it being just uh you know player versus player there was no teams it was just you you died if you died you that's it you don't respawn you have to wait. You have to, they kick you back to the load menu, or they kick you back to the to the title menu, and then you hit start, and you have to go back through the process all over again. And that was it for me. Like I, I don't like, I don't like having to sit and wait. I guess, and and I guess that's that's more just me than anything else. But I just didn't care for the mechanics at the time. I didn't care that, you know, you had to you had to you know leave the game, and then sit back in the lobby again and wait and wait and wait because it sometimes took a while to get back into the in an actual game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one thing that a lot of people I notice in the groups complain about uh, as far as once you finish up and your team finishes up to get back into Nuclear Winter again uh, takes a little bit. But really, it's just a few minutes anyway, uh, which I know can feel like forever. Now, if you die on your team, do you die? Is, is it do you die for good? Unless they revive you. Oh, OK. So you can be revived. OK. Yep. So if you're downed. A teammate can come over and revive you with no problem. Sometimes, though, depending on the situation, I'll tell people not to. That way they can survive through to the end. Because mm. a lot of... T uh, well, sometimes people use you to draw other people out. If you're dying in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. You can use they're just sitting bait. there waiting for... Yeah. Um, how many people is it? I believe it's 52 people in a server. 
Uh, and then uh, oh, that gets whittled down surprisingly quickly. Uh, and then you're on a team of four. I believe you can play solo if you don't fill your team. I've and they're done played. that with a, with a lot of multiplayer games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of, and I, and I've seen this on different. Uh, Facebook groups and Twitter of people complaining like, oh, I thought Bethesda said they're never going to have a battle royal or, you know, people are, st- I mean, I think people will complain regardless. You know, I don't care. That's, that's where we're at now. It's right. at first it was that there are no NPCs, blah, blah, blah. This game sucks. And now, okay, NPCs, uh, I'm not going to play it because Bethesda should have done that from the beginning. How about you just shut up and be happy that they gave you what you want? Or just don't play it. Or just don't play it at all. Move along. Exactly. Now, what I said about the game, after the beta, I said, okay, you know what? I'm not a fan of it. But, but I'm, you know, I I told myself that if the opportunity ever came up again where I could play it, if they had like a free thing going again, I would play it. And I I told a lot of people, I said, a lot of the naysayers that were like, oh, this game's going to be terrible. And I'm like, if you look at the No Man's Sky situation, and I don't know how many people out there played it, I loved it. After after they fixed it, I didn't play it at first because you know I'm not going to spend sixty bucks for a game and it's getting bad reviews in terms of it actually legit has issues within the game itself. It's not the the community because there was no No Man's Sky community you know until the game came out because you can, you can only say so much if a game hasn't come out and you haven't played it. But after I picked it up and I got it for like ten bucks. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a fantastic game. I mean, even the building in the game is awesome. And like I said, I'm not a big building type of person. I don't really care for it. But being able to do, like, you can put it on, uh, it's like a casual mode. And you can build, mm-hmm. you get all, you get infinite resources, so you can build whatever you want. And I think that kind of helps too. But I said, watch. I said, it's going to it's gonna turn into No Man's Sky. It's going to take a while. And things are going to have, it's going to be bumpy at first, but I think it's going to turn out well in the end. I think that it's going to, it's going to have its, its, its downfalls here for a bit because it's a brand new game. Bethesda really hasn't done this thing before in terms of using one of their big franchises to make something like this. Cause I believe the Elder Scrolls Online is through Zenimax. I don't know how much Bethesda um, has over that, but they took Fallout. And and I think it became better, um, uh, in terms of a No Man's Sky comparison because I enjoyed No Man's Sky after it got released, and I'm enjoying Seventy Six now after waiting some time and seeing if it was going to progress and not turn into Grief City and just people all they do is complain about it. Yeah, I mean it's like that with with so many games. I mean even to this day, so many years later. Uh... <laughs> Crashing to desktop with New Vegas is still <laughs> still a thing, but I mean it's. Uh, but I look at maybe it's because I don't uh, take games too seriously, especially in the early days when it's clear that you know they're they're trying to get it right and there's a lot of moving parts. But it's not uh, Bethesda's kind of like a Volkswagen, if you ever own one. It's fun as hell to drive, but there are days when it just doesn't want to start or decides to stop in the middle of the street, but yet people still love them because of the, the character and the the feel behind the brand. That's, yeah, Bethesda's Volkswagen. Yeah, or, or Nissan, because I've, <laughs> I'm just that Nissan did the same exact thing. Like, there were days when it really wanted to work, and it would go, yeah. 
And then there are days when I'd be like, not today, man, not today. And I'm like, why? Just get me to where I need to go. That's all you have to do. And that was that was me with 76 this morning because I was up early and I was like, I'll give it some play. Every time I did something, every single time, it, it would stop. And then it would say, uh, controllers, controls have been disabled. And I'm like, come on, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash. Boom. Server disconnected. Oh, and I just did that. And I found this cool place. Now I'm going to have to trek back. And I'm going to have to... Ugh. It was, it was a nightmare, especially it did it once in Cranberry Bog when I was I, I ended up going to the Watoga Railway Station because I'm yeah. like, if I can find a railway station, I'll be safe. Went in, deposited my stuff, the stuff I had collected in the stash boxes um, while I was trying to run from laser fire from different assaultrons and these new protectrons, and I put my stuff in. And then it quit, and I'm like, oh, no. as soon as I as soon as I put everything in, and then I had to go back and do it again, and it was just like, that. I'm like, thanks Bethesda, you're just doing your Bethesda job of, of you know, doing instead of freezing and crashing, you're just kicking me from the server. I've been Bethesda again, <laughs> right? And we, I, I don't care who you are, if you played Bethesda games from Elder Scrolls to Fallout. You're gonna get Bethesda. You are, and I understand. You know, once especially once you get, you know, two hundred hours in. I think Fallout Three. I have close to four hundred hours in, and the saving because it has to save all of that data. And I'll go to a cave, and now it'll just be like freeze. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man. New Vegas. I mean. It- I've had issues in this game. It hasn't been a perfect experience, like uh, that first two-shot explosive combat shotgun I or double barrel I had uh, vanished out of my hands one day, oh. never to return. <laughs> which, <laughs> because of how rare that drop was, uh, I kind of wanted to cry. But my friends in the group felt bad, so they chased down another one for me. But it's not like uh, at any point this game hasn't been unplayable for me, not in the way that. Uh, Skyrim together, which oh. if it would have worked, would have been amazing. I was so excited to be able to play Skyrim again with people. Uh, but after paying the dollar or whatever it was to to get in on the, the early access to that, we played for all of five minutes, uh, all ended up doing T-poses, and then just a random 50 to 60 soldiers just fell out of the sky, uh, not wearing any clothes, and then a dragon just kept... Uh, catching fire in front of me. <laughs> so I, I would consider that to be unplayable. Right. But I mean, that's that's more along the lines of modding it till it crashes. Uh, yeah. Or, and, or trying to get the game to do something that it's not meant to do. Right. Which together was trying to, trying to do. Now, I haven't had any of those experiences either. I think the only, the only thing um, that I've had that's been really kind of like, uh, are you serious? My tinkering bench disappeared. It was gone. I was like, wait, what? I, I it just disappeared. I was rearranging my house, putting, you know, expanding and moving walls out, and then somehow it disappeared. And I'm like, oh, come on. So luckily enough, it was the server was, was acting kind of weird. So it booted me. I came back, and it was there, and I was like, oh, that would have been awful if that was gone because I, ha- I didn't have any of the parts to do that with. I didn't have any of the parts to bring that back. I'd have to go out and scavenge and, and that tinkerer's bench is just one of my favorite tools. Cause now I can get anything I want 
You know, I, I remember people in Fallout 3, uh, a buddy of mine, he would take everything. Everything, when he would go into a dungeon, he would take it all. And then he would sell it. And that's how he made his caps. <laughs> it was basically from taking, you know, the coffee cups, the the battered clipboards. I mean, anything he could find that wasn't nailed down. And he would slow walk all the way back to a town. And I'm like, what are you doing? I, I got to get I did. I have to admit, I did that with my first character because I was so used to playing that way in previous games. I grabbed everything that wasn't shackled down. <laughs> All of that is fantastic unless you're in a situation where, you know, you're you're in the cranberry bog fighting the scorch beast queen and you're you're slowly dragging yourself back to the train station with an army of scorched and scorch beasts on your tail and you're like, Come on, move <laughs> Um now see I I had played Oblivion. That was my very first um bethesda-esque experience i didn't play morrowind i had it but it just i at the time i really wasn't into those kind of games when when i had got morrowind but when i played oblivion i loved it and i was like oh this is really awesome you know it's it's a it's it's almost like watching a fantasy movie and or like mm. lord of the rings or, or what have you and i'm like oh this is really cool i can shoot spells from my hand and you know i can fight all these these creatures and, and things like that and trolls so when the over-encumbered happened, I'm like, oh. Because I think in that game, you don't move at all. I think you actually stop moving. You have to drop so. stuff. And so when I got to Fallout 3, which I think was the next game, because I think Fallout 3 and then Skyrim and then New Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. And as soon as I, as soon as I saw the weight limit, I'm like, nope, I'm not going over that because I'm not going to be bogged down. But I think with 76, and I think this is the hardest part, when you do get over-encumbered, and you're lo- at least at beginning levels, and I consider like 20 to be beginning level, like the, the first 20, um, I'm like, I need all of this. I can't really... <laughs> I remember dropping a couple guns and a melee because I had, I had received a missile launcher, and I'm like, I need this. I need this missile launcher... I'll take a hit and drop some of these guns right now. They're not really legendary. They're not that serious. I can pick them up down the line. And I grabbed that missile launcher and I took it back to camp. And I, I'm, it's level twenty five, but I got it there just in case because I know I'm going to need it. So I just it's oh, yeah. kind of sitting there waiting for me to grab it. Yeah, in those early levels, uh, you you have to be really selective about what you drop and what you keep. And always be on the lookout for a red rocket station so you can access your stash. Yeah, I do that. And uh, railway stations. Railway stations, whenever I see that symbol, I'm like, yes, yes. Fun fact, do yourself a favor. Look at the map in the railway station. You can unlock each one of the stations if you just click on the little tack. Oh, I didn't I know that. I only figured that out. Yeah, I only figured that out a few months ago. Now will that will that learning. that unlock all the locations, even the ones you haven't found yet? Not not to fast yes. travel, but I mean like it just lets you know that there's things here that you haven't found yet. Yep. Ah. Uh, and then I think it was February. I figured out if you get to the the watchtowers, go up, you can survey the area, and that'll unlock the stuff in the region. Another thing that I liked about seventy six which I thought was cool. And I know a lot of people complained about this because they don't like to read. I enjoy reading. 
I do too. <laughs> I can tell by the side of your voice. You're like, I know exactly what you're going to say. <sighs> was the fact that nobody, and this was a complaint. Like, oh, there's, there's no, no NPCs. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I got to read. Oh, I hate reading. But when you read it, like I went to the, oh, I can't think of it. It was, so there's, there was a mining company and there's two mining companies that were, there might've been a third too. They're going to war with each other. And, Garahan and AMS, I believe. Yeah. And there was another one that began with H, and I can't for the life of me. Oh, Hornwright. Yeah. yeah. So I went to the what is it, the Garahan, right? Yeah, yeah. Garahan. Yep. I went to their HQ just just to go because I I think all of us that play Fallout games, we see a cool structure. We're gonna go for it. We're gonna see what's inside. So I'm inside, and I'm fighting mole the mole miners and stuff like that, and they're they're tough. They're some tough folks. And I start reading the lore about the 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 CEO that uh, that has it that owns it, and she has this thing with the uh, with with uh, uh, I forget it was like a strong it was like a uh, an us versus them thing, and it was like them versus the the uh, the automation, and they still lost, and yep. you can just see the 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 breakdown of of the different companies and hostile takeovers and that part to me was so awesome like the stories that they do tell once you do read the lore and you do listen to the tapes and you do find like the dead the dead bodies and stuff that were the people that the the lore is about i think it immerses you deeper and i know a lot of people complained oh there's no np that's because you're lazy you don't want to take i mean if you're gonna invest in a game and I would hate to see some of these people playing these the old Japanese RPGs where pretty much all you did was read the entire time and keep hitting attack. But, oh, yeah. but to me, I think it makes the game better. And I think the reason being is once you sit down and and kind of – it's almost like you have to start playing Fallout from the very beginning. Like push aside 3, 76, uh, 1 and 2 – uh, or I keep saying 76, New Vegas, 4. Once you push all those aside and start fresh and kind of realize what would really happen in a nuclear war and, and what you would have to do and kind of like what would go on in that and then realize that the other people that you're playing with or you're playing against, they're in the same situation. You're all survivors from this. You've all gotten out of a vault and you're all just like, well, what do we do? And there's going to be some of you that have good hearts and some of you that have bad hearts. And so you're going to read these other people who have who've died or they've left or they've fled. I know uh, some of the lore says some people left and they, they went. But you read that and you're like, oh, and you start to feel bad for the, the people that live in these places. Oh, yeah. You, you gain a sense of perspective and empathy. And some of the stories are really compelling. Um, I can't remember her name, but... One of the most memorable ones was a survivor. Uh, if you're down in the Cranberry Bog. I think it, the first tape is at a bombed-out house. Um, but her entire family uh, is taken out. She's the last one left. And she's slowly becoming a scorched. And I believe the final tape you get in the glass cavern when she finally becomes a scorch. But her story is just so... Uh, detailed and to see how this affected everything. The other really cool thing that someone did, and this needs to be an official thing and they should be congratulated, someone 
took all of the the damaged lost data and holotapes from the enclave bunker uh which you wouldn't have got to yet i don't think and put them together in chronological order that could be its own radio drama because from start to finish all of that data i think it was like an hour and 20 minutes that i was listening to it and it is incredibly compelling because you find out how all of this started and it was started by one man who was trying to just move and trick the computer into going into the defcon mode that would give him access to the nuclear devices uh to the silos to be able to just blow china to hell and keep the war going so the scorch beast uh, the Liberator robots. It was all of them. I didn't even Definitely. say anything. I was still, I was still, I was, I was hoping that you would keep going <laughs> because one of my favorite things about Fallout Three was the Enclave. I really liked that whole story behind what they were and what they were about. Mine too. Yeah, I loved the the Zach's computer and President Eden. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell is uh, one of my favorite actors, so it was amazing to have Zach. He was always enjoyable to listen to. Um, but yeah, the whole uh, there's some really amazing lore when you tape start to finish uh, and slowly see how the Enclave ended up eating themselves, and he slowly was losing his mind, <laughs> just <laughs> killing people. Uh, the reason that Modus, once you get to him, is so messed up is because that final battle uh, inside damaged him completely. I'm yep. definitely uh, excited to get to that point in the game once I've got the, all the air and water and dirt holotape readings so I can do my daily event. <laughs> <laughs> Which her story is actually really interesting. Um I think her name was Amy. I can't remember last name, but she was uh, kind of having a, a war with the Brotherhood. Not a physical war, but kind of a war of, I've got this technology, but the Brotherhood wants to get it. And they need it, and they keep trying to track me down. And oh, you end up, the, uh, that's the Free States bunkers, I think, yeah. Yep, and then you end up finding her body, and you're like, ah, oh, it's kind of sad. And then, and I think what this game does, too, is... is it says that there's no good or evil in terms of the different groups of people. They will do whatever it takes to survive. And, yep. I mean, you have the responders that will help people, but they even were, like, kind of against the Brotherhood. And then you have, you know, um, and I haven't I haven't gotten to them yet, and I keep running into their their um, their different effigies, the, the, the Cult of the Mothman, and I'm like, come on, I want to – see what they're about but i every time i go to one of these effigies there's nothing there and i'm like literally scouring over every piece of it there are so many cool um and that's i believe that's going to be coming up in the fall uh because i'm fairly certain that that weird uh ugly creature thing that they revealed is going to be another cryptid the cryptids i think are fascinating i yes. love that whole thing but have you been to lucky hole mine yet no, I uh, like I said, oh. Cranberry Bog was the only place that I've ventured out to, and that was just because I was like, I'm going over there. I know it's the hardest place on the map, but I'm going because I can. So how you like that? And then I was like, uh, you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna like how we're gonna treat you over here. <laughs> are Are you a fan of H.P. Lovecraft? 
he's hit or miss for me. And I think it's just because of the way the, the books, are, his books are written. It's kind of, it's a rough it's, read sometimes with his books. Uh, yeah. Anything from that century is, is kind of challenging to, right. to eat into because it's like a word salad. Uh, <laughs> so, you have to mold so you, your brain around their thinking. And sometimes you're just like, oh, this is, this is rough. This is a rough read. The way in which everything's structured, you kind of have to read a sentence twice to, right. to understand what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> uh, the Lovecraftian lore, I've, I've always thought, was really fascinating. But when you get into Lucky Hole Mine, you meet your first great old one in a really amazing uh, twist that pairs some H.P. Lovecraft stuff into this world. I won't spoil it for you, but it really take the time to go through that because uh, it connects directly to the Mothman cult. Nice, nice. Okay, so um, I, I don't, I don't really have a time limit. I know I said an hour. If you want to go over a little bit, we can. If you don't uh, have any pressing concern, what I want to do now is I want to shift focus because I could spend the next two hours talking about Fallout and cryptids and and lore, um, and we can always circle back to that later. But I want to get into the podcast, and I want to yes. get into. I think. I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> um. Tell us, tell us, uh, tell us all about it. Actually, well, it's called Chad, a Fallout seventy six story. Uh, how it came about uh, started, of all things, um, on one evening when we were uh, imbibing many alcoholic beverages, and the group of people that I was with, we went to the high school up in Grafton, and as we was making through our making our way through the gymnasium. Uh, an, an old, we were reminiscing about high school and an old bully uh, of mine kind of resurfaced whose name was Chad. And when we started talking in the group, we realized that everybody in the group had known a Chad who was like uh, either someone from school or uh, someone you worked with or a boss or uh, a step uncle. Uh, and universally, they're, they're just kind of terrible people. So uh, it got me thinking, what would happen if you're in high school, you're in kind of a closed environment, you know, you're, you're locked in there for four years, and then there's the magical moment where you graduate, you walk out that door, and you won't see any of those people ever again, for the most part. Everyone kind of drifts away, and you don't have to worry about seeing that guy again, as long as you get away from your hometown. Uh, what would happen if once the vault door opened, you just you can't get away from that person because there's there's not a lot of people in the world and invariably right. you will always kind of gravitate back towards each other in some fashion so uh this character simon is just trying to to go out and follow what the overseer had really wanted them to do which is to survive and thrive to build a community and it all kind of goes wrong from the first day his two friends, Jake and Amada, uh, a little nod back to Fallout 3, um, had made plans to open this beautiful farming community and grow vegetables, have a farm stand. And uh, He wakes up and everyone's gone. And he's just by himself, the last one out. And he can't figure out why people left him, but he tries to remain optimistic. But the first few months are incredibly brutal. And on top of all of that is just Chad, who's dropping by camp to steal things or borrow <laughs> tools and not return them. 
uh, who's starting fights with other vault dwellers, bringing it back to your camp. And then those vault dwellers, you know, shoot out your walls and you get dragged <laughs> into this. So eventually, you know, he finally snaps, gives Chad two shotgun blasts to the to the face, <laughs> buries him in a shallow grave. And that essentially is the first episode. It's where we all begin. Um one of the things that I, I thought would be fun to do is kind of inspired by a lot of the glitches in this game that I think are hilarious. Uh, when players uh, get frozen in T-pose or you suddenly stop animating and you just kind of are floating over the ground in the sitting position, invisible bicycle, a lot of that stuff I, I think is just hilarious and made itself for fodder for good writing. So from the character perspective, a lot of the mechanics of the game, perk cards, uh, perpetual respawning, are all things that he's experiencing uh, and can't understand because they don't make any sense. Um, so a lot of the, the dark humor of these stories comes from him observing these things and, and trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, because he finds in episode two that the grave is now empty and Chad is alive. <laughs> In that same episode, he also dies for the first time and then finds himself in purgatory in the Atom Store, <laughs> listening to the, the awful elevator music oh, yeah. and looking, looking at outfits that he can't afford <laughs> before he comes back to life, uh, right back where he started on the steps outside the vault. Uh, so he's trying to make sense of, of all of this. Um, that essentially is how the, the podcast began. I started writing these as short journal entries that I shared in some of the uh, Fallout 76 groups on Facebook. And they went viral. People started asking for a podcast. But I'd never done one before or an audio production of any kind. Um, so it's been an, an interesting experience, to say the least. And I think it's it's really because uh, you have some some Fallout Three throwbacks, but you also have a New Vegas throwback there too. With you know Benny shooting the you know the the main character in the head, and then he's dead supposedly. Then he gets brought, kind of brought back, and he's tended to by this doctor, and he comes too. So it's kind of cool that you take um, a, a little bit of this and that from the different games. And I think what is really awesome is the fact that you're incorporating these glitches from 76 into this. One of my yeah. favorite glitches, and this was something I experienced like two days ago. So I'm fighting some uh, some ghouls, but they're not getting up. They're literally laying down on the ground, and they're sliding on the ground back and forth. And they're trying to chase me, and they're sliding around, and I'm just like, what, what, what's but they're attacking me, and they're hitting me, and I'm like, but you're dead. That's uh, that particular glitch is is going to be featured in an episode to come. Uh, I had the same thing happen to me, but it was the robots at White Springs, <laughs> where they're just kind of all just kind of crawling along on the ground. Yes. And it was <laughs> like, kind of like creepy. They, yeah, yeah, it's completely <laughs> creepy. Like they're some kind of sadomasochistic nightmare where they're just <laughs> beat me. <laughs> they're Voldo from uh, from Soul Calibur. If anybody oh, yeah, yeah. plays that. Now, your 
so you're coming up on four episodes. This will be yep. your fourth. Uh, what is your timeline for releasing these episodes? The plan is going to be for every, uh, between when we just dropped episode three to the next one is probably going to be more like three to four weeks, partly because uh, what changed is the cast. Um, so starting with episode three, I started bringing in voice actors uh, to change things up. I think the the journal style with just me is fun, but I think it will get stale fairly quickly. Um, whereas bringing people in, kind of like how Wastelanders is going to change things up, allows me to create more dynamic stories uh, and introduce more unique characters that people can really enjoy and, and sink their teeth into, um, including you. Yes. If, if anybody didn't know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a a high priest, a high priest. And I'm not going to tell you of what, because I, I want you folks to be surprised when it happens. But uh, but I'm looking forward to this. I, I enjoy doing the, the podcasts. I enjoy um, radio programs from from ye- from the yesteryears. Uh, I enjoy, um, you know, the shadow and who's who's by far my favorite uh, hero of all time, anti-hero, really, um, and that's where they oh, got yeah. the basis for Batman. Actually, was yep. from the Shadow, uh, and you know Kenny had put this out in a in a Facebook seventy six group, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'll bite. And then I ended up not being not responding to him as fast as I wanted to, and he said, hey, I uh, I tracked you down, uh, and I'm interested. I say, okay, let me send you a clip. I'm gonna send you a, just me talking. I'll, I'll throw it through Facebook Messenger, and you tell me what you what you think. And because uh, I can do a, a wide range of voices, I could have done, you know, the the Chad Dude Bro voice. I can do that. I can do Arnold. I can do the the German kind of. I can do all that. But um, he said I need somebody for for like a high priest uh, kind of role, and it has to be sing songy. So I said, okay, let me let me shoot that over to you. And uh, <laughs> here we sit now talking to each other. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, we have, there's 25 of us now that'll be voicing a whole bunch of characters from from major to minor characters all season. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to uh, to to doing something this epic because um, after he sent me the uh, or after he after he after we talked about it, I had looked up the the podcast and I guess you have what 10,000 listeners now. Yeah, we passed a kind of a. a a baffling milestone this week uh when between views uh on facebook uh youtube and then downloads of the physical podcast we passed 10,000 uh so 10,000 i'm assuming are mostly fallout fans are are now listening uh and the response has just been uh, amazing uh, the reviews that people have been leaving and comments that they left about enjoying the show. And one person saying they almost drove off the road <laughs> in the, in the last episode, uh, when I end up eating my best friend. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, I'm glad that the people are really enjoying it. And uh, and and we'll always promote it here on this network because um, because I'm in it, of course. But no, um, just because I think it's <laughs> it's something that is unique, and I always enjoy somebody taking something 
and making it unique. And I think 76 gives us the opportunity to do that. I mean, I've seen all kinds of different games, but I mean, you're, you're pretty much stuck to a strict, unless you mod it, obviously, but in terms of uh, most games, um, you're kind of stuck to a script. Like I think I've, I've watched some, some good dark souls comedy, um, where they've done different things and it's been hilarious, but I think this is kind of a new take. And I think this is why it's, it's taking off so well because of the glitches, because, because see, nobody thinks that you're going to do that aspect of the game. You're kind of breaking a fourth wall on that one. I think what makes it work, uh, is a, a perfect storm of all the right things. Um, like in my, my real life, I own a marketing firm. And one of the things I think makes this work is that all of the stories are relatable. One, pretty much everybody knows a, a person named Chad or has known a Chad type personality. So I think it's relatable from that aspect. Um, but it's also related to, to fallout and uh, how people feel and the kind of dark humor that we all can appreciate. Um because Fallout has so much dark humor and, and has since the early days. Um, this is this podcast is essentially the wild wasteland trait <laughs> uh, in a podcast form with ridiculous, baffling encounters and complete nonsense, uh, but in a very fun way. I think the other thing that, that has made it work is we really don't have storytelling podcasts for this fandom there are for for other fandoms but fallout uh doesn't really have podcasts that are just complete fun fan fiction stories and radio dramas and if anything i'd really love to see more of them and i hope this podcast gets people to really think about podcasting themselves because it's surprisingly not as complicated as you think it would be as far as putting it together, if you plan out stories and stuff, I'd, I'd love to see more cool stories out there. There are so many podcasts that, that just talk about gaming or gaming news um, from all kinds of different perspectives. But to have more cool stories, like uh, I'd like to, to hear the Grey Ghost or uh, hear Mistress of Mystery Stories that are original, uh, get that stuff really going. Um, there are a few out there. Uh, Aaron Close Mind Fog is a Fallout 4 journal style um, podcast that's fiction, and it's really an excellent listen. Um, that's that's a good one to listen to. Maybe we'll see a uh, a High Priest versus a Silver Shroud episode <laughs> at some point because I, you know the Silver Shroud is basically the shadow, and like I said, I'm a I'm a big fan. I have uh, I have played with um, the lore a little bit. Um, the Silver Shroud is going to be in the podcast, uh, but in a funny way, he's the bland banshee, <laughs> where he's just actually he's socially awkward and kind of an, an antihero, uh, and his assistant is is always the one who's dragging him out of the house. To, to solve mysteries in the neighborhood <laughs> when really all he wants to do is be sitting at home in front of the fire cup of tea. Um, yeah, so he'll be in this. The Brotherhood Steel is actually retconned as the Fraternity of Iron. Uh, <laughs> so it's a crossover between the, the fraternity uh, 
that you run into when you're doing the Bev Moonshine quest. Yeah, yeah. I just I just did that a couple of days ago, which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's kind of a, a merge of the fraternity and the, what the Brotherhood of Steel is. It's 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 very exciting. Now, we talked uh, before uh, we jumped on air here, and you said this all came from uh, a love of the old radio. Um, radio show style broadcasts from you know the the days before television uh, tell us a little bit about that about how that came into being for you yeah when i was um younger my grandmother every weekend would take me to the library um, i grew up in massachusetts which is why i loved fallout 4 so much it was very familiar um so in newburyport where i grew up there was this this old uh, federalist mansion that was the library in town and it had you know wainscoting it's it's what a library should be it was dusty uh it had woodwork everywhere a massive staircase and uh the children's room when i was little was kind of where my grandmother would would park me and then she'd go off reading the papers in the magazine room one day i decided to go upstairs in the adult room um which when you get to the top there's this big open area uh and around the perimeter were balconies so you have to take these metal stairs, these circular stairs, up to access the upper level of the balconies. And I clambered up there, and I found that the darkest corner of the library, which didn't even have a working light bulb, but it was filled floor to ceiling with vinyl records, which I'd never seen before. And I'm, I'm pawing through and pawing through, and I, I find these ones uh, that had creepy-looking covers. And one of them uh, is something that we're going to do our for this year's Halloween special on the podcast uh, to honor it. It's called Murder Castle. Um, it was a, a lights out special, um, I believe from the early 1940s, written by Arch Obler, who was one of, I think, one of the greatest, uh, the greatest creators of radio drama of the era. Um, he had an amazing way of creating really amazing stories just through the use of sound um that one when i checked out of the library and listened to it the first time i was kind of hooked the the storytelling in that one is just amazing and the sound effects and uh if you've never listened to it um and you want to get into listening to some of these cool vintage radio dramas start with that one um because it's a great one to start with it's kind of a, a rehashing of the H.H. H. Holmes story, uh, the serial killer who had created his own murder castle and really had preyed on uh, everyone from people visiting. Uh, his, his rooms were trap rooms uh, where he basically finished people off, take all their stuff, and then ditch the bodies. That's essentially what the, the plot of this one is, but it is done so masterfully well with the sound um, and that really got me hooked on vintage radio. Uh, a lot of those elements trickle into this one, which, although it's a modern podcast, um, I take great care in really composing soundscapes and creating an atmosphere. Um, and listening to the podcast with headphones creates a different experience because I tried to create 360-degree sound. So it would put you in the environment, and you could hear subtle things off to the left or right or behind you as you're listening to the show. 
uh, I got a lot of that from, from how they used to create vintage radio um, before TV, really getting you to see blood on the carpet or, you know, see that shadow creeping up on the woman uh, when you don't have a visual except that which is in your mind. Wow. It's fantastic. I had to stop. I stopped breathing there for a second, I think. Um, I got into uh, into radio specials a lot later on. Um, my grandmother also took me to the library um, quite quite many times, but for me, it was... God bless it was, those grandmothers. <laughs> right. Right, it's because of her I I uh yeah. I learned how to read and and uh and I and I love it. But mine was uh Universal Monster books. I always loved the Universal Monsters, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all that. For me, it wasn't until probably like 10, maybe 10, 15 years ago when YouTube um was 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 going full steam. It was right around the time when they started going full steam. I think Google had just uh had just bought them. And there was radio dramas on there, and I was always I was always fascinated with the shadow. I always liked, you know, the whole Lamont Cranston thing, and I'd read the comics when I was younger, and uh, the 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 pulps as they are called, um, read those, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, wait, what? They have a radio drama? I'm gonna listen to it. <laughs> and I believe Orson Welles was actually the shadow for a little while. Um, and Orson Welles' voice is fantastic. If people don't know who that is, he did the uh, War of the Worlds broadcast. Everybody thought the aliens were invading, which um, if anybody ever gets a chance to listen to that, sit down and listen to it. I play it every Halloween. It's the Blair Witch Project of its day. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's, a, that's yeah. a really good uh, really good comparison. But uh, that to me, the, the radio dramas were so cool. And then I would go listen. Once I got that, and then I'm like, wait, there's more. Because I knew that they existed, but it wasn't something that was readily available, um, as it was for for Kenny. Because our libraries didn't have the the, the big wall to wall vinyls. I mean, they had vinyls, but a lot of it was just regular music and like Halloween sounds and things like that. But um, I would just sit and listen. And then and then the job I had at the time when I would get in there early, nobody'd be there for you know three hours. I would listen to different ones. Uh, detective ones, I was always a big fan. I always liked the detective ones. Um, horror was really good, and the way they would play the organ, you know, even though I know it's not uh, it's not real, I would still get like shivers because I would wear headphones. I always wear headphones when I listen to radio drama because I think they they're better with headphones. It kind of because you immerse yourself more into the actual drama itself and the stories they would tell. I mean, this this is stuff that's better than what's on television today, one hundred percent. Oh, yeah. um, because it, 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 it messed with your mind. You might hear a sound and then you hear a sound somewhere else. You're like, wait, 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 what, what was that? And then if you're at work and it's kind of dark, you start seeing shadows in the corner and you're like, well, you know what? I got to take the headphones off for a second and have a drink of water. I realize that I'm, I'm not there. And, um, and that's what a good radio drama did. And most of them were that they were, um, fantastic stories. I don't really think. I heard a bad one um, at all, actually. And, you know, I think that's a testament to the time that those were, were, were popular in because voice actors had to had to really convey the feeling to you of that. You know, they had to say, you know what, well, we got this going, so you can't see it, but we want you to see it in your mind's eye. And I think with what you're doing and, uh, and, and sort of bringing back the, the radio drama 
concept. I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think what you're doing is amazing. And you know, you reaching out to me, you know, after I had after you had posted it, and I said, well, I'm interested. And then you know, kind of kind of life got ahead of me there for a second, having to deal with these crazy floods and things like that here in Ohio. Um, and then you reaching back saying, hey, you know, I I heard some of your stuff. What's up? And to me, like this is you know, I'm. I'm humbled because I'm really excited to 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 get into this. Like I'm I'm really hyped and I'm hoping that you know this can be sort of a sort of a a jumping off point because I've always wanted to do voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we've all tried to inti- try to impersonate somebody. You know, like I was always a big fan of Arnold. Like you gotta get to the choppers, you get to do it, they get to kill you, do it now, to here. And it, it was always fun doing that. Like it was always fun doing those voices, doing British voices, and I could always do them quite well. And so people would say, why don't you voice act? And I was, and I was told myself, I really don't know how you would even go about voice acting. I don't know how you would, you know, send those kind of, who do you send that kind of stuff to? So for you to, to kind of put me on here, it's much appreciated. Like I I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for this. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that forever struggles with thinking that anything I put out there is crap. Uh, so, which I guess keeps you humble, but always yes. leaves you unsatisfied. Like uh, we had um, the art I had created for one of the podcast episodes, uh, Jeff Gardner, the project lead for fallout 76 reshared it last week, uh, which was just kind of amazing to, to, be noticed by someone from Bethesda, right? <laughs> much, much less the person who's kind of steering the ship right now. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but then you, you know, you go right back to, eh, I don't know if the script is going to be any good. It's, I understand one hundred percent. You know, I, we're probably on our on our flagship show, this Uncanny Earth. Uh, we we deal with supernatural, paranormal stuff. There's been a couple episodes where I'm just like, and at the time it was because we were using Google Hangouts. And anybody that's ever used that service, it's atrocious, or it was atrocious. I hope they discontinued it because it was terrible. It would literally cut us off mid-sentence. We'd be talking, and it would be a great point, and that point's gone because I can't, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't repeat it because it didn't know it cut me off. And there'd be a couple episodes where it would just would cut me and my uh, my co-host Spider off consistently. And, oh, I hate those episodes. It's just a, it's a personal thing. Like it's 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 just like I work so hard, and I'm just like I'm not satisfied with that. Well, I think my problem is sometimes uh, I have a very specific vision in my head of how I want something to be. So getting it to as close to that as possible is is really difficult. And then sometimes it, it comes out exactly what you want, like uh, Alexander Luther in our group who's become the voice of chad uh is actually from the uk and when when he said that he wanted to to try out for chad uh, i took a look at where he was from and i'm thinking i don't think this is gonna work uh but he does the best bro american accent i have ever <laughs> heard uh, and when I finally had talked to him on Discord and heard his real voice, it kind of threw me, right? Because it's so very different and obviously British uh, versus uh, what he had auditioned at. Uh, or he has some really interesting characters. Episode four is introducing half of you, including you, and it's going to have very little of me. 
which I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, so I can just kind of sit back and direct as opposed to worrying about performing. Uh, it also starts to really expand this world quite a bit by introducing a lot of characters that are going to play key roles this season, uh, especially leading up to the big season finale um, when everything quickly goes to hell. <laughs> it's it's such a it, it's so refreshing to actually um, hear something different. I mean, I'm on I scour YouTube for different things, and last week I got into uh, because I, I modded new or uh, I modded New Vegas. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is add extra radio stations because that's that's the the high point of Fallout for me is the radio stations. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the of of uh, the old standards um, form of music. I, I really like you know a lot of that stuff. And then with New Vegas, it was the, uh, the 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 Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra kind of style, and I really enjoyed that too. So I went on a binge of listening to civil defense broadcasts. I don't know why. I just yeah, those are really- Conrad. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so fascinating because we were in that in that time it was the Cold War and, and America was a whole lot different. You know, we were worried about the bombs falling, so everything was made in regards to that, you know, take shelter, uh, you know, do you have food? Do you have an underground bunker? And all these um actors and actresses would uh, Frank McMurray from My Three Sons, he was like, you need a shelter to be to protect you when the bombs fall, and I'm like, I guess I do, Fred McMurray. <laughs> I guess I do. <laughs> yeah, even the Gene Hackman did one, which is yeah. just kind of insane. I had seen that last month. I found that clip, but it was, uh, I, it's kind of insane to look back on now that houses were being built at that time with bomb shelters being built into them. Yeah. Could you imagine living at a time where that? was an everyday reality that one day nuclear hell could just rain down on you right that's that's amazing now in in one of our cities because i'm i'm in northeastern ohio um and there's a city called akron akron ohio and um it's uh if you if you look on some of the buildings you'll actually see the fallout shelter symbol Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen them for a couple of years, so I don't know if they took them down. But it's 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 an interesting piece of history because I drive by them, and you know, after playing Fallout, of course, I'm like, oh yeah, Fallout, huh? So there's a Fallout shelter nearby, and that's what they would mean. The signs would mean Fallout shelter nearby. So in case the bomb did drop, that would happen. And and to live in a time where you're always on edge about the bombs dropping, you know, I mean, uh, Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima, they were devastating. And by the time that World War II was over and then on into the 50s, the bombs had actually become more powerful. So to to feel like if this bomb falls, that's it. It's it's done. And I remember seeing um, public service announcements for kids to hide under their desks. That's not gonna, that's not going to save you, <laughs> you know. And, Just and, duck and cover, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just it won't get you. Trust me. And like some of the some of the the Conrad uh, civil defense broadcasts, it's kind of like, you know, you know, hold your hand over your mouth or, or you know, do this, do that, because you know. But then I'm like, the radiation is what's going to get you. If the bomb doesn't kill you, and you're you're far enough away from ground zero, it's the radiation you have to worry about. That's the you know, that's kind of the uh, the slow killer in that regard. Right. Um, 
but but it's fascinating it's a it's a it's a different time period in in our history and uh it's just one of the fascinating things that i found on youtube between that and mystery science theater 3000 and to you know hear your podcast and hear how different it is from other podcasts because I'm, I'm used to like the joe rogan's and and all that and that's cool to sit and listen to and, and people talk about interesting things but the entertainment value the drama aspect or in in this case the the chad dude bro aspect which i think is a great um stereotypical name for the dude bro chad or uh you know like a thad because i knew a thad once and it was kind of he was kind of like a dude bro and i was just like man these dude bros there's there's, uh i didn't find out until after i started writing these that there's a whole uh it's an incel culture thing i guess somebody had mentioned that on some of the fallout groups so i looked it up and I fell down this weird rabbit hole and I kind of wish I didn't know (laughs) strange, weird territory where I guess uh, people who identify as, as incel, um, a Chad is like a stereotypical uh, jock. Um, And then they have a a word for uh, girls. It's like this whole thing. Right. It's very strange. Yeah, we would always do the the dude the dude bro accents because I mean the really the really the they kind of originate from the whole surfer, um, lingo. Oh yeah, you know, like dude, man, we should totally go to wherever afterwards, man, get a shake or something, and you, you kind of like put like that little bit of like you're kind of stupid, and that's not to say that dude bros are stupid, um, but they have that I can't explain it, but you know you know what I mean, like they're airheads, for so to speak. It just quickly and, becomes very grating. Like it, it, yeah. if you were stuck in an elevator with Matthew McConaughey, I think you would laugh. <laughs> I and strangle him. <laughs> hey, and it's all right. It's all right. I think so. You're right. Oh, hey, hey, man. Hey, dude. And it's, it'll be cool. Just cool. chill out. Do you know what no, I like? Man. They stay the same age, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, bro. You know what I mean, right? Right? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know what you mean. I use I was... unicorn tears and yoga. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ever gone surfing? A Maui, man? You ever do that? I've done it. Babes. Everywhere, bro. Everywhere. Dude. 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 <laughs> what? Uh... What do you want? But I mean, and I think like that's the worst of it, too, because I mean, there's I mean, people have a way about them. Like, we've all met that one depressing person, too, that's just like, uh, life is so meaningless. And you're like, you're kind of, I'm already having a bad day and you're making it progressively worse. But you're kind of funny because it's a dry humor kind of a thing with a lot of those types of folks. They're like, I just wish a blade from the ceiling would just cut my cardioid artery right now. And you're like, ooh. ooh." I think all of us have an an inner cynic that invariably head when we're in really challenging situations and it's kind of like weddings and funerals they they show people for who they really are right um in a situation like this where you know you're you're stepping out into this apocalyptic landscape uh and you know all of a sudden you see these gigantic 15 foot creatures uh hanging out at death claw island 
and you know you're you're on your 50th case of radworm when you have someone who who's just like hey what's going on this place is great isn't it it just really rubs you the wrong way because you want them to 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 be just as cynical and miserable as you are and they are almost detached to, from reality to the point of stupidity and it, it quickly uh it quickly grates on you i think that's one of the other reasons relatable yeah i would i would have to agree with you in the sense that you know if if you're in a in a bad situation the the one that's always the 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 chipper one you know like hey we're gonna be fine guys we're gonna be great my dad's gonna come and he's gonna help us we're gonna be fine i promise we're gonna be hey good. look over there that scorch beast is attacking us that's <laughs> awesome we're gonna put the fractals in those sonic attacks <laughs> hey that robot's coming hey robot dude Oh no, he's laser. Oh, he laser Paul. Ah, oh, we're good though, right? We're good. You guys didn't like so Paul, did you? What's that mean? <laughs> and and I think that like you know with the with this with the whole dude bro as being sort of the the main character in so to speak, um, it really kind of it, it. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's just going to be something that you know it's it's not. It, it it looks to me like it's not something that's going to take itself too seriously, but at the same time, it's going to act like it's taking itself too seriously, which is fantastic. I mean, it's definitely dark humor. And the end of the last episode uh, ended very dark, <laughs> <laughs> um, which we'll come back to. But one of um, the things that's different this time around with all of the original stories is that we finally get a chance to hear Chad's side of the story. And we quickly realize that um, there are, are situations that happen that get you to empathize just a little bit with Chad. Um, in episode four, he ends up meeting his first companion faster, ironically, than Simon ever found somebody. And uh, she is... I don't want to spoil what she is, but she is a truly unique character uh, and is a joy to write for. Uh, I think she's quickly going to become a real fan favorite. But the unique relationship she has with Chad uh, empathizes you to him a little bit. You, you start to see him a little differently than just a caricature. So he gains a little bit of, of humanity in his dude broness. A little bit, but in a, a really dark and twisted way. Because what they essentially bond over is not a positive thing. <laughs> but it's a it's a friendship uh that is comes about in a really unique way. Where would you like to see this this podcast head? Like what what, what would you like to see for the future? <laughs> I have an exit strategy uh, for this that will keep it going in other directions in a really fun way. Um, but as far as this goes, the first season um, is going to be completed and everyone will have heard it by the time the fall comes around. So by the time Weislanders starts, um, we can create all new stories based around a lot of the things that will be happening in that which I think will make it kind of fun and timely. So as long as Fallen 76 is 
going on and people still like and listen to this, we can go on indefinitely. Um, if it goes in a different direction, there are some things that can be done to take this show into other versions of the game. Excellent. Um, is there Before we close, is there anything you would like to plug or anything you want to kind of tell the audience out there? Uh, Followup76podcast.com is our main website. And from there, you can find the feeds uh, for everything from iTunes to Stitcher, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting platform. You can find the link there. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, on iTunes, if you could listen to the show and please leave a review. Um, reviews are, are really helpful as far as um, getting the ranking up on iTunes. It's one of the things that we were really trying to push for. We got uh, noticed new and notable by iTunes uh, because of the number of downloads we had last week, which was kind of cool. But um, eventually it'd be great if it could be featured the more and more reviews that we get. Excellent. Um, any last words you'd like to say? Just listen. <laughs> Give it a break. <laughs> Even if you hate Fallout 76, um, <laughs> I think you'll you'll appreciate this because there's a lot of fallout in what this is in a very fun way. Uh, to all the modders out there, when the Fallout 76 mod tools drop, make sure you go ahead and uh, put uh, Chad, a Fallout 76 story, into the game. So those of us like myself can listen to it and laugh and probably get killed by enemies because I'm laughing so hard. Um, and be prepared that's, for episode four. Yeah, that uh, that's on one of my to-dos as soon as that is possible. I thought that would be fun to put in the game as a mod. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's what the game needs more of is radio stations. You I know, agree I, with you 100%. I, I, you know, I, I can do the Appalachian radio and all that, but... I'm kind of tired of hearing about Soda Pop Ricky. I'm going to be dead honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> that that song was the all, the song that they seems to always play. Like they'll play a song and then it'll play that one. I'm like, come on, man! I just heard this song. I keep hearing the kick the bucket song. <laughs> buck buck bucket. <laughs> Which, if you're not really paying attention, and I'm sure they intended that for the time. <laughs> But I think that uh, I think adding more radio stations and this podcast, if they if they add that, um, and hopefully they'll add it to where it doesn't disable achievements, because I think that's kind of when it comes to radio stuff, I don't think that should that should mess with your achievements at all. No, I don't think so either. But yeah, podcast support, I'm really looking forward to. Well, folks, that's uh, that's it for this uncanny gaming. We would like to thank our guest Chad Vigu for sure. Chad, I called you Chad. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Kenny Vigue for showing up today, and, and we really are very, very uh, blessed to have him on. Thank you so much, Kenny, for for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay, folks. So that is it for me. Uh, make sure that you tune in on Thursday for this Uncanny Earth, our flagship show. We will have Chelsea Yurkowitz on from the Evil Down the Street, or mess that up too from the Crumbs. It's been a day, folks. All right, I'll see you folks later. Bye. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes. Rest and recharge. Work and play. 
And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes. Rest and recharge. Work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.